Okay, good morning. Thank you for the clap. That was very nice. Okay, so we are continuing in our series, looking at the life of Abraham. So if you've been with us um, through the course of it, we started our journey with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham out of the land of his family, said, follow me, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you a father of lots of nations, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so we've been kind of tracking with Abraham as he's been wandering around, trying to figure out how to be faithful, how to work at working out what is God calling him to. Um, but the last couple of weeks, we were in Genesis chapter 19, and the action had shifted slightly onto, uh, onto Lot and onto Sodom and Gomorrah, which was interesting. I'm very glad I didn't have Genesis chapter 19. Uh, so the last time that we saw Abraham was in chapter 18, where he had an amazing encounter with God. And God actually said to him, I'm going to give you and Sarah a son. So that was the last time we saw him. And now we're going to be going into chapter 20 in just a moment. But I thought, first of all, just before we do that, it'd be helpful just to have a quick reminder about how we read or how we understand passages in the Old Testament, particularly when it's narrative, because it's quite different. So when it's stories, it's quite different from, say, when we read passages in the New Testament. So when we're reading Old Testament narrative, helpful just to remember that often the meaning of the passage can be hidden with uh, the action of the characters. So what the characters do, what they don't do, uh, often it will be showing us how to live or how not to live, rather than telling us how to live or not to live. So for example, rather than it telling us to live a life of faith, trust in a sovereign God, we see that through the life of Abraham. Uh, we see it in how he lives and sometimes how he doesn't live. Uh, we see examples of how to do that. And similarly, with God, we can learn all about God in Old Testament narrative by looking at how God acts, the things that he says and the things that he does. Okay, so we are going to read Genesis chapter 20. And no doubt, we are going to see an excellent example of Abraham living out the life of faith. <clears throat> Maybe. So, Genesis chapter 20. Now, Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while, he stayed in Gera. And there, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gera, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And didn't she also say, He is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. 
Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reasoning for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, There is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you, live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offence against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his, fa- uh, and his female slaves, so they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Okay, so you might be sat there thinking, wait, didn't, didn't we read this passage a few, a few weeks ago? Didn't, haven't we, as Kieran's pages got stuck together in his Bible? Uh, no, they haven't, don't worry. Uh, but you're right that this is a very similar passage to what we saw happen in Genesis 12. We saw Abraham in Egypt deceive Pharaoh into thinking that Sarah was actually his sister. He's doing it again. Huh. And what's kind of interesting is, just like in Genesis chapter 12, in the passage that we've just read, Abraham seemingly comes out of it in a better position than he was when he started. That he he gets loads of silver and sheep and stuff and, and people, and he gets seemingly kind of blessed through this experience. So, I guess the principle for us to take away today is if you are married or if you're, if you're going to be married, you should tell people that your partner is in fact your close relative. Okay? No, 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 we're not going to do that. Nobody write that down. <laughs> that is not the principle that we're looking at. Instead, what I want to look at actually is this season that Abraham is actually in. In that, he has some huge promises over his life from God at this time. So I'm going to just illustrate that with a chair. So this chair is going to represent... God's promises over Abraham. It's a very impressive chair, isn't it? Um, So God has said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a son. You're going to be father of many nations. The nations will be blessed through you. You're going to take possession of the land. And these are the things that Abraham is holding on to, that he's looking towards. But 
the reality is his current situation does not look quite like that. We need another chair. Oh, by the way, there we go. His reality is quite different. He's quite old. So Sarah, and he doesn't have the son that God has promised him. He hasn't taken possession of the land. In fact, he's living in a tent and he's wandering around in other people's land. His reality looks quite different from the promises that God has given to him. And so Abraham finds himself in this position where his reality is different from the things that God has said to him. He's in this season. And I don't know, maybe you can relate to being in this time yourself, where maybe God has given you promises, or you have things that you are faithfully holding on to, you're believing God for, and yet your reality is quite different. Maybe, maybe even like Abraham, you've moved to a different, different part of the, uh, of the country. Maybe you've moved to a different place in Sheffield because you felt God say to you, I want you to go there and you'll see my kingdom come. You'll see people become Christians. And yet, at this time, you haven't seen any of that. Or maybe it's a specific situation that you felt God tell you to act in a certain way. So faithfully, you've done that. And yet, you've not seen anything good come out of that. Well, what's that about? Or maybe it's sickness. Maybe you're having lots of health problems and that's your reality. That's what's taking up a lot of your thinking and your, and your time. And yet God has said, I work in all things for the good of those who love me and are called to my purposes. But where are you, God? What are you doing? What's going on? And this season, if you're in this space, it can be a very challenging, difficult time. And that's why this passage is really helpful for us to read and to see how Abraham acts, try and get some examples of how perhaps not to act and, and what happens to Abraham in this, in this season and what we can learn. And what is it for Abraham seemingly that takes his focus off of God's promises and moves it onto his situation, and he ends up putting Sarah in a really vulnerable position again. We're going to have a look at that. So, when we've got this big disconnect, it can be really difficult. So let's have a look. We're going to jump straight into what is it that causes Abraham to act like this? And I think the key verse in this is verse 11. So we're just going to reread verse 11. This is Abraham's response when he's challenged by Abimelech. Why have you done this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. So what is the driving, for, uh, what is the driving force here for Abraham? It's fear. He is scared. Abraham has come into a, a foreign land owned by some very powerful people. He recognizes that he has quite a beautiful wife and if anybody takes a fancy to her that actually he's going to be in quite a vulnerable position and he's scared for his life and so he comes up with this plan 
to take the attention off of himself. So based on this passage, just want to have a look at a couple of things, a couple of outworkings of fear on our faith, what it does and its effects. So number one, fear can make us do things that we shouldn't. (laughs) Fear can make us try and take control of the situation rather than believing in God for the details. So Abraham comes up with this plan uh, to take the focus off of himself and put it onto Sarah, I suppose, whereas actually two chapters earlier, God has promised him a son through Sarah. And yet here he is allowing Sarah to be taken by another man. Abraham ultimately decides that it is more effective for him to deceive Abimelech than it is to trust God in this. So fear can cause us to try and take back control. And really, it stems from a lack of trust. So we're told to trust God. In Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But when we don't do this, like Abraham in this story, we're effectively saying, God, you, I'm going to do this bit. You stay put. I think, don't fully trust you in this. So I think I can bring about a better outcome. I'm going to take control of this situation. And again, our fear can kind of lead its way into us taking control of our actions. Again, I wonder if maybe you can relate to that if you start to think about um, possibly elements of your life where in your faith you see that starting to creep in. Maybe it is money. When money is a bit tight and you can't quite see where your resources are going to come from and what's next, it's easy to start taking the uh, easy to start to stop looking towards God for the details and to start maybe making decisions on that for yourself taking back control or maybe it's it's COVID are your actions at this time are they based on faith in God or are they coming out of fear because of the reality of our situation So as a church, Chris just helpfully reminded us that we're in an exciting season where God is leading us into hubs, where we are starting to meet together in more of a local area, reaching out to our local communities. And maybe in in your hubs, you're starting to meet up in connect groups, starting to do that. it, It is an exciting time. We're not We don't know all of the details yet, and we're still trying to figure out, well, what does this mean? What does this look like in a season of restrictions and lockdowns? We don't know all of the the details. And so perhaps it's a bit understandable that maybe fear can start creeping in. And maybe months ago, you decided, because of the situation, do you know what? I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to see. I'm not going to see people. 
I'm just going to, I'm going to isolate myself and, uh, and not go out. And that's not necessarily wrong. I'm not saying that uh, self-isolating is, is, is wrong or a lack of faith or anything. All I'm doing is trying to get you to just have a look at your motivations behind those decisions. Is it led by fear or is it led by faith? Now that example, it might, it might apply to you, it might not. But in this season, are we looking in faith towards what God is leading us into in hubs? And whether that example applies to you, whether it's the money, maybe it's something else, we are called to trust in him. So that's one of the things. The outworking of fear can be that it leads us to do things that maybe that we, um, that we shouldn't. And number two, it can cause us to not do things that we should. So a good example, an obvious one within this passage is Abraham should be protecting and looking after his wife. And yet he abdicates that responsibility in this. So he doesn't, he doesn't do something that he should be doing. But also Abraham has been called by God to be his representative, to represent God to the nations. If we look in the passage, if we look at how God describes Abraham in verse 7. He says, For he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you will live. God's clearly decided that he wants to use Abraham to represent him to the nations. And yet, because of Abraham's fear, actually, rather than trying to point Abimelech to the Creator, actually, Abraham is leading Abimelech into sin. He's actually pulling him further away from God. And you have to wonder about Abimelech here. If he is going to make any judgments about what God is like based purely on Abraham's actions, he's going to come out of it with quite a funny misunderstanding about what God is like. But fortunately for Abimelech, God intervenes in this one and God steps in. So in verse 3 says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. And I think there's a real encouragement in there that actually, yes, God wants to use Abraham to reach the nations, but there is nothing that is going to stop God from bringing about his purposes and his plans. Even despite Abraham being fearful, God intervenes and steps in here. And we've seen this throughout the life of Abraham, where even though there are periods where God is silent with Abraham, big gaps between, between things, Abraham perhaps showing a fearful response, God is bringing out his plan, working out the details. And we can be encouraged. If you feel like, oh, I'm a bit discouraged by this because, oh, I feel like maybe I kind of mess up God's plans by being fearful, actually, you can see that God is bringing about his plans and he's not going to let fear stop that from happening. If we look at uh, Abimelech's response to um, being confronted by God, he understandably is a bit shocked. And 
what did I do? What, what, what's my, what? He told me that his, he's a bit confused and he's a bit, uh, a bit shocked by this reaction. And you see that he then goes and consults with his team. And I just want to read verse 8 because it shows what Abimelech does. And there's a really interesting few words at the end of this verse. It says, early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Which is interesting because Abraham's entire reasoning for acting in this way was because he believed there is no fear of God in this place. And yet here they are very much afraid of God, which is ironic because they are showing fear of God, whereas Abraham perhaps is showing fear of people. He's more scared of people and that's what's driving his actions. So look at what fear can do. It takes our eyes off of God's promises onto our current situation and makes us start basing our actions on our reality rather than God's promises. And it's the same for us as well. Just like Abraham, we are called to be God's representatives to the nations. That the nations will be blessed through us. We are called to be the salt of the earth. It says in Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We've been given this responsibility to bring the good news to people. So that means if you, if by God's grace, he has revealed to you the extent of your sin, the amount that you have been separated to God because of your sin and your complete inability to be able to do anything about that. But also by God's grace, God has made a way for you through Jesus, through the cross, by his grace, rescuing you from sin and death by Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life. If God has shown that to you, if you have any understanding of that, you have a calling on you to make disciples to make disciples of the nations. Whether you live in the north of Sheffield or the south or the east or the west, there are people that need to know this grace for themselves. And it's our responsibility to be God's representatives. But I guess if we're being real, when you're in this, this time where God can feel a bit distant, fear can shape our actions there as well. That maybe it's uh, on a Monday morning at school, you go into school and your friends say to you, so what did you do at the weekend? And you're faced with a choice. You could say, I went to church, met with God, remembered how good he is. We sang some songs. Or does fear kind of lead you into saying, yeah, nothing much, not a lot. You? No? And it can kind of shape how we respond because we're worried about how people are going to react, how they're going to respond. And again, there's a real encouragement in this passage. When we look at Abimelech's response to it, Abraham was convinced there was no fear of God in this place. And yet Abimelech 
His response to God, he's very much afraid. He recognizes God's power. He gives livestock. He offers land and he, and he pays for the offense. And I wonder, do we do the same? Do we make assumptions about who might receive God's grace and who might not? And do we kind of forget that actually unbelievers can experience God through us? Actually, it's not our responsibility to worry about how someone is going to respond. That's not ours to worry about. It's our responsibility to represent God. And if we look in this passage, again, we just see God stepping in, taking control of the situation. It's God's purposes that are coming about. By the end of the chapter, God has restored Abraham back into the position where he is able to represent him. And he ends up praying for Abimelech. God's grace uses Abraham in the very situation that he's just failed in. And God turns it around so that, God, uh, so that Abraham can be effective for God in that, uh, in that season. And I think for me, what's really sad about this particular episode is that Abraham seems to be shaped more by what God hasn't done rather than what God has done. So throughout Abraham's life, throughout the passages that we've been looking at, we've seen clues and God kind of dropping in pointers as to how powerful, how sovereign he is, how good he is. We've seen Abraham have dreams, have meetings with God. We've seen God intervene in different situations and take control. Even in this passage, we've seen Abraham, uh, we've seen God step in and remove Sarah from the situation. In fact, even at the end of this one, when Abraham prays for Abimelech and his family and his household, God heals them so that they can have children again. And yet for Abraham, what is holding him back seemingly is what God hasn't done. Abraham is still waiting for this child. Perhaps doubt has started to slip in. Well, it's hard to trust God with the details when I don't see this. And yet we've just seen God be gracious to Abraham throughout his life. And even now, healing people to, so that they can have children again. God is showing that he ultimately is in charge. And what I want us to do in, in a little bit is uh, we're going to have a, a little bit of a look at well, how, what, what is our challenge? What is our encouragement today when we're in these seasons of in between God's promises and then our reality perhaps looking differently, what do we hold on to? What do we press into with God? And I want to look at that, but just before we do that, I want to just have a little bit of a pause where we're going to get the, the band to just come up um, and just play part of a song. Because I want us to just have a time where we just reflect on what we've heard so far, what perhaps God is saying to us through this passage. Allow God to highlight to us, are there times where we, we do operate in fear? Or let God just show us where actually you're not looking to God in that time. Your fear is shaping your actions. And I want to just allow God to speak to us, flag up things, and just show us. And we can start to have those conversations with God where we just come before him. 
And we'll come back up. I'll come back up in a bit and we'll, we'll, we'll continue our response. But let's just have a bit of time where we just tune in and let God speak to us about this. Twenty-one, twenty-two. Uh, last year, um, uh, I uh, I just come out of uni and uh, I'd come home and I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Uh, and I remember over that summer, I uh, uh, there was a, there was a day where I decided I'm going to have a God day going to have a God day and God is going to tell me everything that I'm going to do with my life. Uh, and so I, uh, I packed a bag, I put some snacks in it and I went for a, I went for a long walk. And at the start of it, I, I wrote out in, um, in a book, all of the questions that I wanted God to answer for me. Uh, so it was, what, what should I be doing? What, what, uh, what do I do? Where should I be? I'll go anywhere. Hawaii, Jamaica, I'll do anything. I'll go to any of these places. And I, uh, I write out this long list of things that I, uh, that I wanted God to answer for me. And so I went on this walk and I prayed. I read my Bible. I listened to worship music. I talked to God. And God didn't say anything to me. 
God was silent for me, and it, I, was, I, was, I kept on going. Hours and hours and hours, and I kept on pressing in. God, what are you saying to me? What should I do? And God was just silent with me. And eventually I got home, and I was so fed up because, well, what was that about? What was that about God? And I just, I randomly picked up a book and was just flicking through it. And one of the chapters was, when God is silent. So I thought I would read that, uh, read that, that passage. I wanted to just share a bit from that really to be an encouragement to us because there are lots of reasons why you might feel that you're in a season. What, what, there are lots of things that God could be doing at this time. But what this book said was that when you're in these seasons where God is silent, often he's using it to develop us. But actually, he's also using it to reveal what is actually in our hearts. So for example, you've got King David. And before he was king, he went through a long season of God being silent with him and him not really seeing God's promises coming about. There was a time where he'd been anointed to be king and yet he was on the run. He was being hunted down. People were trying to kill him. He was hiding in caves and all things and all sorts. And what, what happens? What do we see? We see, we read all of these Psalms that David writes. And so many of them are, they start off, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? What's going on? And yet by the end of the Psalm, it's yet I will praise you. Yet you are good. Yet you are faithful. And it reveals, God uses that science to reveal this praise within David's heart. And similarly, we see it with the Israelites when they're in the wilderness. There's times where God is speaking to, uh, God is speaking to them through Moses. And yet there's times where Moses goes up on the mountain and God is silent with the Israelites at the same time. And what comes out? Idolatry. Golden calves. They start worshipping a made-up God because God has been silent with them and it reveals what's in their heart. And after I read that, I said to God, you know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be. But I want to praise you and thank you and lift my eyes up to you. And I want there to just be praise that comes out of me at this time. And I think that is my encouragement to us today, that if you are in this season, is to press in and look to God. So just to jump back to the chairs, I guess. Rather than letting your actions be shaped by your reality, and actually your reality kind of affecting your view of God's promises, actually to press in and say to God, God, I need you at this time. Let's be honest, to actually live in this period where we are so focused on God that we forget about our reality, we need God's help to do this. And so it's about pressing and saying, we need your spirit. Help, help us to focus and fix our eyes on you and to remember that you are faithful so that our view of our reality is shaped by what God has said rather than the other way. Abraham and Sarah, they don't realise it yet, but they are one chapter away 
one chapter away from Isaac being born. And God's starting to bring about his promises. And we've seen God being faithful throughout the story. There's the encouragement in this passage is God is in control. So if you're in this season where it's hard, it's difficult, maybe it's you're, you're struggling to hold on to, Jesus is coming back. I'm going to get a new body. If it's any of those things or specific things, God is faithful. God is in control. And we need to press in and say, I want to be faithful to you in this time, but I need your help. And so.